0: Hey there! This is Jamie from Stonemeyer Games, and I am really excited today to talk about my favorite games that I played for the first time in 2022 that were released or widely available before this year. And I should say right off the bat that there are some games that are right on the line. I, it, it's really hard to tell now when a game comes out late in the previous year um, if it is, you know, if, it, if, it, if it's a game from that previous year or if it's a game from this year. There are a few games on this list that toe that line, and that's okay. There are a few games on my top 10 list of 2022 that will also toe that line. So I asked Stomeyer ambassadors this same question: um, games released earlier than 2022, widely available before 2022, that they played for the first time this year and really, really enjoyed. And uh, I picked some of the games that were mentioned multiple times by ambassadors. And it was kind of interesting because, you know, this is this is like any game released before 2022, and yet there were still a number of games that had repeats. Those games were A Feast for Odin, Anachrony, Nova, which is right on that line between the two years. Castles of Burgundy, Clank, Cthulhu Death May Die, Dune Imperium, Everdell, Great Western Trail, Lost Ruins of Arnak, Obsession, Orleans, Space Base, Spirit Island, and Viscounts of the West Kingdom. I think this list is really, really interesting to see what types of games people are. Uh, experiencing for the first time in 2022, even though they were released prior to this year. I think that speaks to the quality and the lasting nature of these games and perhaps some of the marketing that the companies behind these games have done to bring them back to the forefront year after year. Um, I also asked my co-workers what their favorite games were released prior to 2022 that they played for the first time this year and really, really loved. Uh, Susanna said Innovation, I know Susanna really, really loves innovation. Alex said Rumble Nation, a game that will appear on my list later as well. Alan said Through the Ages. Uh, Dave said, our, our web developer Dave said Port Royale, and um, specifically he got the the big box for it this year that was released this year. But it, Port Royale is an older game. And Morton said Mage Knight, the board game. Some of the honorable mentions on my list, and this was a tough honorable mentions list to make because I really did, like the only games that I really thought about for this list are games that I really enjoyed in the first place. So these are, these are great games that I really, really enjoyed. Fleet the Dice Game, Micro Macro Crime City, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, The Hunger, Moonrakers, Radland, one of those that was really on the border between the two years, I, I, I put it on this list, uh, Brian Boru, Ethnos crave and can't stop express crave is one that i do have handy here crave came really close to making the list um it's a really really clever kind of dueling deck building game it plays at higher than two players but i would mostly play it at two. really really creative deck building game that i would recommend checking out if you like deck building if you like games like star realms hero realms any any dueling deck building game uh this is a really, really good game, but it suffered from recency bias a little bit. I played it very early in the year and then haven't returned to it, which was a sign to me that maybe it wasn't quite making it onto the top 10 list. But I really did enjoy it. That's crave. So let's jump into the top 10. At number 10, I have Land versus Sea. This is another game that I'll probably primarily play as a dueling game, even though it can play three or four players. The the crux of this game is that you have all these tiles. The back of the box shows it really well here, actually. You have these tiles. They're double-sided tiles. And on your turn, you're placing a tile somewhere on the board. And if you complete a land area, the player representing land, the land player, gains some points. If you complete a sea area, the player representing sea gains some points. Each player is either land or sea. And so that means when I place a tile, I may actually be benefiting you more by placing the tile than me. And that is the whole game, like trying to figure out when... When and where should I place these tiles so that they benefit? They end up benefiting me more in the long run, even though in the short term they may benefit you. There's lots of other little twists to it, little icons that you can gain um, as you complete areas, so you can gain rewards even if uh, even if I'm land and I complete a sea area, I might still gain some benefits from that. Um, but I really, really love the the, the whole the, the core idea here. It's a very simple core idea, and I love in particular that the tiles are double sided and that the tiles that you're drawing that you're gaining each turn. Um, All players can see what's on one side of those tiles, but you only get to see what's on the other side. So you have a balance between public and private information that I think is really, really unique for a game like this. So that's Land vs. Sea at number 10. Thank you to um, a friend for for turning me on to this game. Mitchell uh, sent this game to me. Um, Number 9, Joe Raku. This is not my copy. This is my friend Peace copy of the game. He introduced it to me. He pitched it as a game that he loved more than Rumble Nation and uh, Rumble Nation will appear higher on my list. So I think I do uh, uh, enjoy Rumble Nation more, but you have a lot more agency in Jiraku. Both are games kind of set in feudal Japan that have an element of area control and a little bit of battling, and they both play in a very streamlined amount of time, around 30 minutes. In Jiraku, one of the the core idea is that you are playing a trick-taking game and every trick is a little skirmish. And so every trick is a little skirmish and someone will win that trick and the player who wins the trick, um, it is uh, the area that you look at where the battle happens is the area where their uh, daimyo is positioned. So daimyo is a specific token on the board. You can kind of see a bunch of meeples here on the back of the box. So. This is this is a really cool idea where you're not saying, okay, let's have a battle here and we'll have a trick for that battle. You are just simply playing a trick and then you look at the player who won and look at where their daimyo is positioned and you do a little area control scoring at that moment for that skirmish based on that daimyo. So there may be times where you want to... Um, where you want a, we kind of manipulate the trick so that another player wins because you have a better position at that moment in the territory where their daimyo is located. I think that's really, really clever. There's also a round-by-round area control scoring that kind of moves across the land, so it isn't always uh, looking at the same territories. It's looking at all territories, but some territories become irrelevant as the game passes on. Just a really, really clever combination of trick-taking and area control. That's Jiraku at my number nine. Number eight is a game that I don't own, but I may own it at one point because I really did enjoy my first two plays of it, and that is Jekyll versus Hyde. In Jekyll versus Hyde, it's a two-player dueling game with a tug-of-war element. Again, it's a trick-taking game. Uh, a couple of these trick-taking games appear on my list this year where uh, one player is trying to uh, have... Uh, they, they, there's, a, there's a bidding element, they're trying to have an exact number of tricks, or they're trying to make sure that each player wins the same exact number of tricks, which I think is a really cool balancing element, where, where they're, they're, they want to win some, but they want to lose some, because they want that to be balanced. The other player wants there to be a strong imbalance between the number of tricks a uh, win. They don't care who wins more or who wins less, as long as there's a strong imbalance between the two. This It's just such a clever idea. It works really, really well for a two-player game, and it has this nice tug-of-war element it's more of a track to show like how, how far that balance or imbalance is happening. Um, uh, where one player is trying to pull it, pull the token over to their side based on the imbalance between the two tricks. But it's, it's, it's just such a clever game. And it really does feel different when you're playing as Jekyll versus Mr. Hyde. Uh, yeah, really cool game. Jekyll versus Hyde, number eight on the list. And number seven is Priests of Ra. One of my favorite games of all time is Ra. And this game probably could have even been higher up on this list. Were it not for maybe the dated look and feel of it, it could definitely use an update. And I'm really excited for the updated version of Ra that's coming out at the end of this year, maybe early next year. Uh, But Priest of Ra is essentially everything that's great about Ra, which is a wonderful push-your-luck auction game. Plus, an added benefit where there's sometimes a choice when you draw a tile out of the bag. One of the core things you do in Raw is that on your turn you are drawing a tile out of the bag and add, out of the bag and adding it to the auction row. And generally, there is no choice involved in that decision. You are just using your turn to draw a, a tile. In priest of Ra, it adds a decision point to many of those tiles because they're double-sided. Like there might be a tile that's blue on one side and yellow on the other. And so when you're using a turn to draw a tile out of the bag, instead of simply placing it on the board, you are deciding which face do I want to place in the auction row right now. And you're basing that off of whether or not you think you might bid on that auction row, that, that collection of tiles, at a future on a future turn, or if you really don't want to bid on that, uh, that auction row. And uh, so there's a great decision point there that I really like when you're drawing this random tile out of the bag. Uh, so that added to a game that I already love, made this the number seven favorite game of the year for me, Priest of Ra. Thank you to Paul for introducing this to me. Uh, Henry introduced Jekyll versus Hyde to me. I should credit more the people who introduced me to these wonderful games because I really do appreciate that. At number six on the list, we have a game that I've only played digitally so far. I've only played it on Board Game Arena, and that is Regicide. Uh, This is a game that I think originally, like the whole crux of this game is that you can play it with any deck of cards. But we played with the deck of cards that's available on Board Game Arena, which has these really great illustrations on it. It is a very difficult, in my opinion, cooperative game where you are trying to, it feels a little bit like Slay Slay the Spire, where you're trying to work your way through, um, an ascendingly difficult array of bosses represented by the Jacks, the Kings, and the Queens, or Queens and the Kings in that order. Um, so you're, you're, you're basically trying to deal a certain amount of damage to these different cards based on the cards that you play. And every card is unique bo- both based on the number on it. So the number typically means the amount of damage that you are dealing to uh, the, the current boss card as well as the suit of the card, which has a special ability and often interacts with that number as well. Some have to deal with all players drawing a certain number of cards or blocking damage or dealing extra damage. Um, it is a really clever game, and I think originally I dis- I dismissed it, unfortunately, because I-, I heard about it. I heard good things about it, but I was like, oh, you can play it with a deck of cards. Okay, I can. I'll do that at some point in the future. But... I shouldn't have done that. It is a really, really clever cooperative game that I've really enjoyed trying to win. I don't think I have won it at all at this point, but it's such a great puzzly game and it plays really well on Board Game Arena. Um, I can't speak to how well it is to track all the different, uh, like the life points when you're playing in person, um, but Board Game Arena tracks that really well. I would highly recommend checking it out on Board Game Arena if you have the chance. That is Regicide number six. And number five is a game that feels like it's existed for a long time, but really I think it came out at the end of last year and I became aware of it. I think it became widely available this year. That is Savannah Park. Um, In Savannah Park, it's uh, a somewhat abstract game where you're building a little Savannah area. And at the beginning of the game, you just randomly put out a bunch of tiles all over the board. Um, And over the course of the game... On your turn, you will select one of those tiles that you've not already flipped over. You'll select one of those tiles to move to a different position on your board. And then you flip it over to show that you've moved it. That tile can never move again. And similar to games like Bingo, essentially, um, any player, uh, when, when I select that tile, that is a unique tile that every player has. And every other player will pick up that same tile and place it somewhere on their board. And so, over the course of the game, the boards end up looking very different because because we're placing these tiles in different places to score more points. Um, but I love that uh, my my choice to select which tile I want has a huge impact on all the all the other players. Like we are all interacting in that way. So even though uh, it's this fun form of interaction, where even though I'm not doing anything um, that hurts other players directly, I'm not saying I'm doing so. I'm damaging your Savannah... The tile that I select might, would, will and has a big, it does have a big impact on everyone else's savannah. Um, I hope, I hope I des- I'm describing that well. It's a unique tile that I'm selecting. All other players are selecting that same unique tile and moving it somewhere else on their board to hopefully optimize their scoring. Really cool, simple, streamlined concept, savannah park. I've had a blast with it, and I really actually want to give this back to the table because it, it is a lot of fun. And number four is Nirvana. Nirvana is another one that I can't wait to play again because it was so, so clever. It's a roll and write game where, uh, it, it, with a little bit of interaction, because there's a, there's a drafting element of the dice on the table. Um, actually, no, not, not quite a drafting element. You, you're, you're rolling dice and all players are sharing those dice. Uh, the interaction happened the, on the second half of the game. Um, but basically, you are taking these dice, you're writing them down on a sheet of paper to create cards, Um, It's a little abstract as I'm saying this, but you're you're using these numbers to add them together in in different rows on this little little piece of paper that you have. And then once you complete a row, that number becomes a card and you use those cards that you've created in the second half of the game as a ladder climbing game, which means like if you play a pair of threes, I need to play a pair of cards that is better, that is higher than three. And so those are the cards that you've created. Um... It's such a clever combination of these two things i've never seen a ladder climbing game where you're creating your own cards in that way typically it's you know you're dealt a hand of cards and you maybe manipulate it a little bit but you're deciding when to play the cards that you're dealt in this case you are creating that very hand of cards that you're using such a clever game um and i really want to play it again nirvana number four on my list and number three we have a game that is, is probably borderline between 2021 and 2022 but I think it became widely available in 2022, and that is So Clover. This is by the creators of Just One, one of my favorite cooperative, lighter kind of uh, whimsical party style games, but it's not really a party game. Um, so Clover has a very similar feel to Just One, even though it's a very different game. And So Clover, again, the box does a good job of describing how it works. And So Clover, you are um, randomized, and each player has this little, little plastic Clover mat, and they are going to get four of these cards with holes in the middle and they'll stick them on their mat randomly. And then based on the word pairings on the, on the outside of those cards, they need to write down a one word clue. So for example, the the example here in the box is that, um, uh, the, the clue or the two, the two cards are house and firefighter. And the clue this person wrote down was station. And so they're gonna write down clues on each section of the board like this. Then they're gonna put this big thing back in the middle of the table. They're gonna mix up these four cards with one additional card, and then they'll reveal it to all other players to, for them to discuss and figure out wh- where the cards should go. So they're given the clues and the cards, but they don't know. Where the cards go, or the orientation they go in, it leads to a really great discussion where you're trying to get in the head of the person who wrote it, and it's cooperative, so you're not competing against anyone. You're kind of you you are all working together to get it, to get it right. And I really like that you get one wrong guess. So if you put them out there on the on the on the on the mat, and you ask the person, "Is this correct or not?" and they say no, then you get one other chance to get it right. And if I remember correctly, the person does tell you. Um, which cards are correct and which are not. So they'll remove any cards that are incorrect. So you do have a, bit, a little bit of information going into your second guess. But it's one of these games, a little bit kind of like the mind somehow, where you get this level of feeling like you're really in sync with the other players and it's in sync with what they're thinking and how they, uh, how, why they chose these specific words. And there's an element of creativity when you get to choose the words for your map because all players are choosing and writing down these words simultaneously on their Clover mats. I this game has really grown on me when I first played it I was like I'll always choose just one over this but I found that I really really enjoyed the creativity of So Clover and I have played this um, almost just as much as I played just one over the last year so yeah So Clover number three on this list and number two on my list of games released earlier than 2022 that I played for the first time this year is a game that I mentioned a few times now Rumble Nation Rumble Nation is an area control game that involves some dice, but uh, it has output uh, input randomness. And so you know the 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 dice are rolled on on your turn. You roll these three dice, and then you decide based on those dice what you want to do with them. Um, They correspond to the board, where the board has a bunch of random tiles on it, numbered from two to twelve. And all right, maybe it's one to twelve. Might be actually one to twelve. And you are. combining some of those dice to equal the sum of one of those territories, and you're using the other die to determine how many of your units you're putting on that territory. So you're kind of, uh, you're you're putting a bunch of, uh, over the course of the game, you're putting a bunch of units on the board in different territories, um, in the hopes that at the end of the game, you will have more units than any other player in each of those territories. And the more, the higher the number of a territory, the more points it's worth. So if I control the number 12 territory, it's worth more points at the end of the game. It's worth twelve points if I if I control it. Second place does get points as well. But the really cool twist here that I think is cl- really clever for number t- number parity in particular in Rumble Nation, is that in the second half of the game, once all players have put all their units out on the board. Um, players stop making choices and you kind of just run this battle over the course of the land, starting with the first territory. So you look at the player who has control of the first territory, they gain that one point, that one value point, I think it is the one, and then they spread out from there. Uh, They basically get to support, they get to reinforce any adjacent territories they control with a couple uh, white cubes, uh, cubes that equal additional units. And so if you win a battle and you have at least some presence in adjacent territories you get to spread out from there and because they start the game this process starts with the number one it is really really powerful to control those lower number territories even though they're worth fewer points because if you control the number one territory you might spread out and suddenly be more powerful in territories two or three or or maybe even 12 there might be um, non-sequential numbers uh, adjacent to that territory it's, it's just a really cool balance between going after those high number territories and making sure you have control of, it, of at least a few lower number territories um, and that you will continue to have control for them with them after lower number battles previous to them um, so that you can spread out and, and have more area control than you did when the first half of the game ended. Really clever game. I have a blast playing every time I play uh, Rumble Nation. That's why it's my number two on this list. However, it was beat by one game that really rose up for the list for me over the course of the year, and that is Skull King. Skull King is an escalating trick-taking game in the style of Wizard, and a little bit of the style of the crew, in the way the crew escalates to uh, from easy to difficult. In Skull King, you are playing a series of 10 hands of cards. Um, And each hand you are bidding, you you are guessing how many tricks you will win from that hand of cards. And if you get it right, you gain 20 points per uh, per, per card per, per hand won there. So if I bet that I'm going to win three hands, and I get it right, I'm going to gain 60 points. And there are also some other uh, specific cards that you want to win uh, that change the valuation a little bit. There might be a certain time where you really want to win a certain card or win with a certain card. If you lose, um, you lose 10 points for every uh, hand that you were off. So if I thought that I was going to win hand, three hands but I only won one, I'm off by two, I would lose 20 points total. Also, I think one of the most fun things in this game is if you bid nil. So if you say, I don't think I can win any tricks, uh, you win 10 points for every uh, card that was in your hand. So by the 10th round, when you have 10 cards in hand, you could potentially gain 100 points in that single round. Again, this game escalates. You start out with only one card in hand, and then in the next round, you have two cards, then three cards, then four cards. The art is beautiful. The game escalates so well. It's been super fun every time I played Skull King. And originally, earlier this year, I I would have said that I preferred Wizard over this game, and I still really enjoy Wizard. It is a great game. But I think I've come around to really, really love Skull King. And I appreciate Dan King for encouraging me to play this game. Um, It has really grown on me. I'm so excited to get get it back to the table and show other people how to play. Skull King is my number one game from 2022 that I played for the first time this year that was released earlier than this year. That's my list. I hope this gave you some ideas of, of games to think about, to, to try out, and also hopefully some game mechanism ideas if you're working on some games in the style of the games that I've talked about here today. I'd love to hear your top game or your top three favorite games that you played for the first time in 2022 that were released or were widely available before 2022. Let me know in the comments below, and soon, probably next week, I'll get to my list of top 10 games that were released and widely available in 2022 that I played for the first time this year. So hold off on those games until next week's video. I'll see you then. Thanks.